Hello and welcome to The More the Merrier. This is Donna G. I have a full show for you today. My guests are Geneviève Langlois to talk about the play Flush, which is running February 1st to the 5th at Théâtre Français de Toronto. And then you'll be hearing from CIUT's own Nadine McNulty. Bituki Music Society and Alliance Française is celebrating Black History Month with a performance by Nax Bitota. From Nax, you'll be hearing three tracks. The first is Quetu. Then you'll hear Femme. And I'll end the show with Moseka. If you'd like to get in touch with me, www.ciut.fm. Click on The More the Merrier. My socials are all there. Enjoy the show. Joining me for this interview is Geneviève Langlois. And we're here to talk about a play that is running at Théâtre Français de Toronto. It is called Flush. And uh, Geneviève, Jen, welcome to CIUT. Thank you. This play is written by Marie-Claire Marcotte, yes. and uh, you are one of four cast members. And tell me what role you play in Flush. So I play the grandmother. Um, there are four characters. There is a young woman who comes to the house and she wants to rent a room. So I I own the house and I rent this this room. There's a there's my granddaughter, so a young, well, a young actress who plays the granddaughter, of course. And there's another male character that also lives in that house. You know, in the write-up, I'm reading that this young girl, Corinne, appears out of nowhere with her goldfish and wants to rent a room. Yes. <laughs> so <laughs> this already sounds funny. <laughs> <laughs> It is. <laughs> <laughs> so how did you become attached to this project? Yes. Oh, my gosh. This project, it's been almost four years. Um, the director then, or the, the one who was directing the workshop, um, asked me to work on the workshop, which was fantastic. And um, so I worked with Marie-Claire and actually Shanda, who was also in the workshop, and two other actors. And we we workshopped it for about, I don't know, about 10 days. And then, of course, Marie-Claire went and rewrote and worked on it for about a year. And then basically we did another reading at another festival and then some theaters were interested and then the Théâtre Français said yes. And we basically produced it. We So last year in Saskatoon at the, La, La Troupe du Jour, we, uh, it, you know, we, we did the show with COVID and all that. It was absolutely insane. It was actually at the same time in January. And here we are a year later. Um, going to do it at Le Théâtre Français. So it's almost four years. It's uh, um, I know this play very well. <laughs> <laughs> you mentioned uh, La Troupe du Jour. Um, yes. Are you part of that troupe? I'm not, but it's a co-production with Le Théâtre Français. So, um, so that's why we produced it, or Marie-Claire, it started there, and then... We are now doing it in Toronto with uh, Le Théâtre Français. I live in Toronto, but um, I loved going to Saskatoon. I'd never been there. It was wonderful. 
many of us Canadians have never been to Saskatoon. Oh, and, wow. and I've uh, when I read the press release and said it made it made its world premiere in Saskatoon. Yes, I, I don't think I've ever said those words before. <laughs> to be honest, I was like, um, it was so cold and I'm from Montreal. I mean, it's cold in Montreal, but Saskatoon, I was like, OK, I get it now. It was like minus, I don't know, 34 or um but you know when you, when you do theater it's it's we we're inside and you know we're like it was like almost like oh it's okay i can i can deal with the cold we're going in we're going to do this wonderful play so but there was a lot of um covid was just at the peak so we had so much people getting covid and it was it was really hard to get this show on you know going um the director got covid and then another actress got covid she had brought her husband and young beautiful daughter who got covid so <laughs> i mean it, it was an adventure a lot of trials and tribulations yeah. and uh you just said something i've never heard before you're a montrealer but you thought saskatoon was cold cuz yes. montrealers are so pr proud of the fact that they're used to cold Oh, but I've <laughs> never experienced that cold before. Prairie, um, prairie coldness. Yes, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> what did you think of the city? Were you able to see much of it? I mean, despite, you know, COVID floating around? Yeah, I went to the museum. Uh, what is it called again? It's this wonderful uh, museum. Um, I forgot the name. I feel really bad about this, but... Um, um, I did that. <laughs> I went skating, believe it or not. Um, and I walked around and I didn't spend, I mean, we, we had such little time to do, but I quite enjoyed it, to be honest. It was, it was, it's wonderful to travel when you're an actor. It's, it's just great to get out of your own space and go in another. It doesn't matter for me. It's always an adventure. It's always wonderful. And what had you been doing before this, Jen? Oh gosh, I'm old. <laughs> <laughs> So much. Um, it's like recently, before in the more recent times, before um, Flush. Before Flush, um, I I've done a lot of TV um, theater in Montreal and Toronto. Um, I've always been between the two cities. I've always kind of had this uh, really hard time. I've lived here and then I've moved back to Montreal, and so my career is a bit split between those two cities uh, when I moved back here six years ago with my teenager and um, so basically my work was different here different age and I started to do a lot of theater here again and um, you know I opened up different uh, venues to be back in the city so it's it's kind of difficult to say what have I been up to it's like you know like Montreal was a different time and now I'm here so it's um I've been working a lot. I've been very fortunate. I, I am touching wood right now, but um, especially uh, being my age, 57. Um, and as you were seeing when we saw each other, I have long gray hair. <laughs> um, you know, it's um, it's hard for women to work in this business, especially when you you look your age, <laughs> you know. Um, it's another, you know, subject of discussion, but, but um, you know. That's yeah, and... Um... I've learned that actors play the age um, that they look, not necessarily the age that they are. Yes. So are you being yes. um, offered 
older roles than you are. Yeah, and I love it. I mean, to be, I love playing my age. I mean, I could be a grandmother. I have a 19-year-old daughter. I'm 57. Um, I just, maybe I play a li little older, but then again, there's such good part. Um, I I enjoy playing my age, to be to be honest, there's something there that is very freeing. And I, I love getting the, the parts that are crunchy. And, you know, like there's something there to be said, you know. Is this happening more in the theater world than in the film and TV world? You know what? I'm booking a lot of TV stuff. Um, and you know, gray hair is becoming more and more popular. It's becoming more, I mean, it's not a trend yet, but um, when I decided to have gray hair four years ago, you know, my agent was like, don't do it. You won't work, blah, 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 blah. And I was like, I don't care. I'm doing it. And now, you know, and, and then I, I was, there were not a lot of actresses that had gray hair. So I was kind of unique and I booked work. And if, you know, it was, there's something to be said about that. Um, no, I've got, I'm, I got a really cool part in Eau Turbulente, which is uh, Radio-Canada and uh, Ontario production where I play um, a police, uh, a chief, chief police. Is that the right thing? In chief of police. Yeah, chief of police. I've been doing this for two years. And when I booked it, I had short gray hair. I just started to transition, right? I, I grew my hair. I let the white come out and I, I cut it really, really short. That, that's been my journey. Mm -hmm. And then I auditioned for the series and this, this woman director loved it and booked me. So, you know, <laughs> it's working for you. It's working, it's for, working me. for you. Exactly. Yeah. And, and your hair is beautiful. Thank your hair you. is beautiful. Um, so let's get back to this play flush. Tell me more about the difference between what happened in Saskatoon and what we can expect at uh, Théâtre Français. Yeah. So it's been a year. So, I mean, we've had time to... I think the great thing when you're doing a remount of the play is you have time to think about it and some stuff kind of settles. Um, I looked at the video we recorded there and um, I think it will be for, I'll, I'll speak for myself, but I have a, a feeling it's going to be a production that's a little more grounded. Um, you know, like I was saying, like COVID really affected us when we, we produced, when we performed it and, um, and right now I feel like I think it's going to be, I really believe it's going to be a better production. You know, first of all, there's going to be more people. There are very few people uh, when we did the, when we presented the play. Um, you know, we've had time, to, I've had time to learn my lines really, really well, you know, like, and we are rehearsing again and presenting it. Um, so it starts February 1st. Um, so my gut feeling is it's going to be a really, really good production this time. Not that it wasn't good. It just was very rushed and... Um, difficult circumstances. Difficult circum yeah. I mean, that COVID can really... If someone has COVID and you're rehearsing a, a play, I mean, it's, it's and, you know, it's kind of impossible. So we had to rehearse, for instance, with the director who was actually on Zoom for one week because she had COVID. So we were in the rehearsal room with the computer open and her on Zoom directing us. Can you imagine? I mean, it's, we, it's yeah. insane. It was insane. <laughs> Before COVID, I'd never heard about Zoom. <laughs> Me neither. <laughs> like, 
now it's like you know that's what everybody does now they all get on zoom and uh it's yeah it's, yeah. it's like i haven't been back to my station since uh the the original lockdown Oh my God. We, yeah, we've all had to learn to do Zoom and, you know, record our shows and send them in. And wow. uh, that's just been the way we've continued uh, since the beginning because we use um, we use microphones. Right? right. Right. So we share microphones. So that is uh, considered, you know, sort of close contact. So we'll see how things um, progress. But our radio show continues. Uh, without without missing missing a step so we've yes. been we've con been continuing wow. Wow. so don't, uh, you, don't you miss the human element of being in the same room with another human being and I mean I'm wondering about that yeah uh, yes I yeah. I do miss I do miss that um I miss meeting the yeah. people I'm interviewing yep you know I I miss that human interaction of actually meeting people in person. Previously, I would have um, the odd phone interview where somebody couldn't make it to right. the station because my show airs on a weekend. But uh, it's always better in person. But you know what, I've gotten used to I've gotten used to zoom. Mm -hmm. and, I know. Um, yeah, mm -hmm. but I do miss that in person where you know, you've met, you've met your guest, it's a different yes. type of uh, relationship building when exactly. it's in when it's in person yes so um tell me about your your fellow cast members mm -hmm. so we have uh, uh shanda gibson who plays the young woman who wants to rent the room felix leblanc who plays this uh, young man living with me um in the house and anna forest Briand, who plays the young granddaughter who's fantastic is the play mainly the interaction among these four people? Are they stuck in this uh, house? Um, what is the action? Yeah, without revealing, I'm wondering if I can reveal that. Yeah, so, re yeah. without revealing too much. I'll say this. this. So this young woman comes to the house to rent a room and... Um, you'll see that the relationship with me, the grandmother, the, the granddaughter, and the young man, that there is something that's going to develop and um, relationship between the four of them. And you're starting to understand uh, more and more what you're getting into. Um, I think I won't say too much, but um, it's, it's, it's like a comedy. It's a bit dark. And it's also very, it's like life, right? There's, there's, you really feel like you're into this, this, uh, uh, this house with the room that she's renting and they're getting to know each other. And you will discover, um, as you were saying, like uh, what the real story is. It, there's a, of course, there is something that will be revealed and, and that is quite powerful. Um, but I don't think I should reveal it because the way the play starts, you don't really know what you're getting into. And that's okay. Then you go, okay, here. That's so good. Story. <laughs> yeah, I love stories like that. Yeah. Now, this cast, is it the same cast that was in Saskatoon? Yes. Yes. Thank God. Yes. Okay. We don't have to, you know, it's like we know each other. So that's wonderful. And in Saskatoon, was it also in French? 
Yes, it was. Yes. Okay. Yep. And did you have subtitles there? Yes, we did. And we have uh, subtitles as well here with those wonderful new glasses that uh, uh, I saw last year. I like I tried them. They're have amazing. You, oh, you've tried yeah. them. Yeah, I, so I haven't cool. I haven't tried them. They're amazing. Tell, tell me about it. Tell me about it. Because I've always just um, I understand a bit of French. And then I used to look up at the subtitles if I yeah. in, in sections where the French was too fast. But how does it work with the glasses? So you put the glasses on and there's like a little line on top that kind of, you know, rolls. And and it's like you, as you watch the play, you can see, uh, you know, it's like written in English and it just goes from uh, from right to left, basically. It, it's like you're reading the subtitles, but they're right there above your eye in the glasses. It's amazing. And can you ignore them if you want to? Is I think so. I haven't really completely, you know, lived the experience. I just tried the glasses once. That's a really good question. Uh, I'm oh. pretty sure you can. Um, okay. Yeah. I think when I go, I'm going to ask for the, the glasses, if they have any spare ones for oh, people yes. who don't need them. And then if I don't, I'll, I'll take them off. But I, I want to try it so I can tell my audience um, what that experience is like, because I love going to um, Théâtre Français. For me, um, you know, like uh, Irish or, or you know, English, British, I usually put the subtitles because I miss something like, what? You know, like, <laughs> it goes too fast for my little brain. So, um, yeah, we love subtitles. They're, they're great. So your work now is is it mainly um, the, the television show or have you been do, doing back and forth with uh, television and, and the theater? Yeah, both, both right now. So I did this TV series. Um, I also shot in a wonderful movie, a small part in this movie that's going to come out next year by uh, Lynn Charlebois, um, an amazing movie in Montreal. And um, this play, which I just love and, and right now, like I was sharing with you, I'm in pre-production of a, a documentary that um, I'm directing with this wonderful producer, uh, this idea I've had for a while. So we're we're preparing to shoot it this summer. So, you know, being an actor is wearing so many different hats. It's Especially like, a Canadian actor. A French Canadian actor who lives in Toronto. <laughs> oh, for a French Canadian actor, yeah. It's um. like, a, yeah, you got to develop. For sure, many, many skills. Um, but I love, I've been wanting to direct and, and do documentaries for a long time. Um, so it's almost like, you know, sometimes you feel like like your timing is perfect. You meet the right producer, mm -hmm. the right person, and it just flows. Um, yeah, I've waited a long time to work. I wanted to work with a woman producer. It was like, I just, you know, I just wanted to work with a woman especially for that documentary. Um, and um, I'm blessed. She's fantastic. And we have an amazing team. So it's very exciting. It's a really new uh, territory for me. Is it going to be a short or feature length documentary? Maybe one hour. And right now um, we have, um, we're co-producing with Radio Canada so far, as I'm saying, because as you know, we you go through different stages of approval. We're, mm -hmm. we're just gonna do for the we're gonna deposit our like the last piece of our development um, in March, but um, yeah, it should be on on uh, 
on TV and maybe festivals. I don't know. It's going to be in French. I'm, I would love to do a, a English version if that's possible, but um, we'll see. Uh, I'm learning. <laughs> I'm learning to, to pitch ideas. And then my producer said, nope, we can't do this. It's too expensive. I'm like, okay. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. 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 I think, well, if you do it in French, uh, people who love documentaries are used to um, subtitles. You're right. You're Otherwise, it would be right. very limited, um, you know, what we see. Yes. And like I said, the subject, I mean, my God, I talked to, when we pitched it, I mean, we had so much feedback on it. I was like, I said to my producer, I said, we are like in this zone, like this subject is like, <laughs> you know, like everybody's like has something to say about it so that's always yeah. exciting well I think there's just um so many women of our age who are dealing with the issue of, of going gray and what that means in the different areas of their lives and ageism right that's yes another, like it, for me that's the main subject that I'm that I talk about with all my my female friends I mean not to say that it doesn't affect men as well it does um, but since that's my turf and I, I only want to talk about what I know, um, yeah, right. You know, what happened with Lisa Laflamme? I mean, for me, it was like, boom, you know, <laughs> another, yeah. you know, let's talk about this. It's really important. So. And people really, you know, came uh, and supported Lisa. Oh, wasn't with it that. amazing to see that? I was so happy to see that. I was like, thank God. Like, people are really voicing out you know their anger and the way it was done it was so ugh, it was just not just terrible the way it was done so and with with COVID I saw a lot of actresses on Instagram with their gray hair their gray roots yeah and I was I thought oh how refreshing it is you know how refreshing but I think I see I've seen a lot of my friends or you know they did it while the COVID thing and then they freaked out and when we started to work again, a lot of them just, you know, colored their hair, which is fine. You, my philosophy is you do you, you know, mm -hmm. I do me, you do you. I don't have judgment on people color their hair. I personally just was fed up going. I was going every two weeks because my hair is extremely white. And so, you know, as soon as it would color it, like they would just show up like this beautiful white little line right mm -hmm. and I was just like I don't want to do this anymore I just do not want to color it um, and I'd seen some really good looking women with long gray hair I was like oh okay I'd like to I like that you know that's yeah. a new model for me so but for sure for me the you know it especially with women what I've seen is women can judge each other so much you know and I find that it's so important to support each other in whatever where we are in our journey, you know. Well, right now my hair is uh, teal colored. Oh. I, I don't have that much gray showing. You can see a little bit at the roots, but um, yeah, when my grays happen, I'll either bring it on or who Call knows me. what color, <laughs> or, or who knows what color I will go to next. <laughs> So, oh God. so I wish you um I wish you good luck in in this production of the film that you're you're working on um starting in the summer and I'll be coming to see you um during this very short run of of flush oh, at uh you. at TFT 
Thank you so much for talking to me, Jen. Um, I look forward to meeting you in person. Me too. Um, one day. <laughs> okay. Thank you so much. You're welcome. And that was my interview with Geneviève Langlois to talk about Flush running February 1st to the 5th at Théâtre Français de Toronto. Now, Théâtre Français is located at 26 Berkeley Street in Toronto. Um, you just go through the can stage building at the front and go towards the back and you will see the entrance to the theater. For more information about the play, the website is théâtrefrançais.com T-H-E-A-T-R-E-F-R-A-N-C-A-I-S dot com. You're listening to CIUT 89.5 FM. This is Donna G. The show is The More the Merrier. Coming up on Saturday, February the 4th, Batuki Music Society and Alliance Française celebrate Black History Month with a performance by Nax Bitota. This is happening at Alliance Française, 24 Spadina Road. The show is at 7.30. Joining me to talk about the performance and introduce me, as well as many of you, I'm sure, to Nax Bitota is Nadine McNulty. She's the founder and artistic director of Batuki Music Society. She's also the host and producer of Caribouni, which you might have heard might i say might because it's been on for several years um right here on ciut sundays from 3 to 5 p.m and she does that show with tierno sumare uh nadine welcome as always to my show i love having you on i always learn so much it's a pleasure to be here donna and good to speak to you again Nax Bitota, I don't know anything about her, so I'm looking forward to this introduction. So she is out of the DRC, Democratic Republic of Congo, and um, her music encompasses um, different styles. So I want to get into those different styles with you, um, if I may. Uh, her CD is called Kuwaitu. Tell me what type of music Kuwaitu is. Okay, so Kwetu is the title of the CD and also one of the title tracks. That particular track is really uh, more of a traditional Mutwashi music. Mutwashi music comes from a region in the Congo. It comes from the Kasai region. That is the region where Nax Bitota hails from. The CD also in, encompasses many other styles of music, uh, some from the Congo, including, of course, rumba music, which is one of their classic uh, styles, as well as styles like Seben, which is really just a part of the song. It's sort of fast dance music. Um, also, she has some Afropop in there, and she mixes also a bit of reggae on one of the um, tracks, Poso Oyo. Uh, she's mixing reggae with some of these other styles, and she's singing in a variety of languages, including Lingala, which is the lingua franca of Congo. She's also singing in uh, Shiluba. The, the music, which is known as Mutwashi, it has a particular distinctive rhythm. It has a dance also that goes along with it. And she's singing those that song in uh, Shiluba, which is a native language of Kasai. 
She's also singing a little bit in French. So she's mixing all of these different sounds and also different languages. And of course, because she's, um, you know, not just a child of Congo, but also of Africa. And also she spent some time in Belgium when she first uh, left Congo, as well as in Canada, in Quebec. She resides in Quebec. So she's mixed a lot of these other styles that she's picked up along the way. I know that she loves uh, she loves singers like the late Miriam McCabe, also Whitney Houston, and many others. Uh, so yeah, she she sings ballads, a real variety of music, and she plays with a full on band, a five piece band. How did you first encounter her? I met Max a few years ago. I just was in Montreal. I was looking uh, for artists and she's one of those artists who really stands out. First of all, uh, I like the messages in a lot of her music also. She has a lot of messages about women and girl empowerment. She also has messages about, um, you know, racism and things that uh, she's experienced. So, you know, she really speaks to to issues and social things that are facing people, especially Africans, people of African descent. And I met her a few years ago, and I've had her in a couple of virtual shows. Went to Montreal during the, the COVID and uh, recorded a virtual with her. I've also had her in acoustic performance, only her singing along with a sansek on guitar, because some of her, you know, her voice is so beautiful and also storytelling and her music and the messages very very powerful now when she plays live with a band she's a very good dancer not just a singer but also a dancer and her her whole stage presence her costuming what you know what she wears on stage and design and stuff is just really quite awesome so i i really came to love her music and there's another Congolese artist based here in Toronto, Ms. Blandine, and they're sort of of the same caliber. And I, I really appreciate and love what these women are doing. So we're going to take a listen to uh, Koitu so that people can hear what you're talking about. Audience, this is Nax Bitota, and the track is called Koitu. <laughs> So that was Kuetu by Nax Bitota. 
Now, uh, rumba music is quite important um, in many regions of Africa, and uh, her track Femme, I understand, is an example of that rumba flavor. Can you talk more about um, rumba in Africa? I know at the Habari Festival you had a film that you showed. Can you um, inform us more about that, Nadine? Yes, the film was called The Roomba Kings, and it was directed and written by Alan Brain. And Alan had been researching Roomba music for a number of years in the Congo. And in 2021, December, UNESCO added Congolese Roomba, the musical genre, to its intangible heritage list, uh, mostly for its cultural value and also the power that Roomba music had in social cohesion, because um, you know, this is living expressions, traditions that are passed, um, you know, from ancestors and on to descendants. And rumba music origins are traced to Central Africa and the Congo region and brought across the ocean, um, you know, during the slave trade. And one thing that is very, very important about rumba music and Congo is that it's used for many reasons. It's used in celebration, it's used in mourning, and you know it is passed down to younger generations through different methods like families um you know training schools communities organizations things like that and it has an important also economic role because many of the roomba you know orchestras and things they're they're um they're developing you know cultural enterpriseship and they're trying to reduce poverty. So there's big orchestras and things like that of that nature. And also it promotes not just intergenerational, you know, messages and, and learning, but also social cohesion. So Roomba music is extremely important and it was important, especially during the liberation struggle in the Congo. And, you know, messages were passed and it was a way for them to relate to each other. So this, the movie Roomba Kings, it actually is depicts very well, not only the history of Roomba, but it, it features many experts and people in the Congo, uh, you know, who speak about it and some elders, even some that have recently passed, as well as, of course, the famous Roomba musicians. There are so many that have come out of Congo, going back to Franco, Tabule Rochero, also Papa Wemba, many, many uh, Casabelle, there's just endless list of Roomba musicians and Roomba spread through all of Africa. The interesting thing about Roomba music is it's the one type of music which went all throughout the continent. You know, many, many regions in the continent, they know Roomba music because of the history of the Congolese musicians and how they spread it. People like Tabule Rochero, who spread, you know, with his music being so popular in Franco, people in Zimbabwe listen to that, people in South Africa, people in East, West, North Africa, if you ask them, they will know Roomba music, but they might not know necessarily other types of music. So Nax Bitota is keeping up that tradition also of playing, performing, and composing Roomba music. So as as you said, you know, it goes from generation to generation and it is still alive today. It's very, it's, there's becoming a renaissance right now. Uh, you know, many of the popular music forms in Congo, things like Ndombolo and other styles 
Um, they're going back to Roomba, famous musicians, Fali, Pupa, all the others. They're doing Roomba music. So, wow. you know, it's, it's had its cycle and it's reborn again with new young artists. Is Nax from a musical family? Uh, she is. She, she grew up singing a lot of gospel music. And, you know, gospel music in the Congo is pretty, pretty well, everybody. I mean, I don't know any artists from Congo who didn't grow up, um, you know, with, um, with choir music, because most Congolese were going to church. And there's a beautiful, beautiful tradition. That's why those wonderful voices of the Congo, you hear different, um, you know, you hear sopranos, altos, tenors, just amazing voices because of the gospel music and the church. Most of them, when they're children, they, they, they join choirs and Nax also at a very young age, I think when she was, you know, maybe eight, nine, 10 years old or something, she joined uh, choirs and some of the choirs, they don't just perform gospel music. They also perform traditional and classical or folk music. You know, church in Congo is a place to sing, and they weren't just singing church songs. They were also singing some folk music and, and classical songs. The song Femme is an example of the Roomba music. And um, what is Femme about? I'm just, you know, translating from the French that it's, it's about women. Yeah, it, as I was saying earlier, she does sing a lot about women in her in her music and she sings about um girls and women fulfilling their roles in society and things like that it's it's very positive uh, messages and she has another song that she did i think it was her first song that she actually released um, maybe three four years ago called petit fil and that song little girl uh she's singing in it um you know about girls and when they grow up and how they're developing and in life and so she is very very pro uh women pro girls and it's beautiful to hear uh women artists in africa who are also speaking of different issues that are facing girls things like lack of education or not not having opportunities um marriage early marriage lots of lots of issues that are facing some young women in Africa.
she also sings in um, Semben. Um, and there's a track called Moseka. Can you tell me, um, explain to me what I should be listening for in terms of Semben music? Semben music, rather? Yes, Semben refers to a, a part of the music, which is the faster or dance part. Most Congolese music, especially if you're talking during the 80s, the 90s, 2000s, um, even up till today, there's a part of Congolese songs, which is dance. And I mean, if you listen to old songs, like people like uh, Franco Luambo, um, he's one of the most classic Congolese artists. If you listen to his music, there's always a beginning, which is a little bit slower, then it kicks in to the dance part. And that part is called referred to as Seben. So, you know, they made that generic kind of term, which is like shake, move, dance. Um, and that's the interesting thing with Congolese music is that it has a real format. Uh, the songs also follow a structure. Not all artists do it, but most of the popular artists are using that within their music because for most African people, and I'm sure, you know, diasporic Africans anywhere in the world, there, there, there's, there's dance, dance music is very important to move. It, you know, songs are not just for sitting usually and listening. There's participation, right? So there's dance, or let's say in the case of uh, funeral music, there's singing. There's always some communal kind of participation within the music. So Saben is that faster dance part. Now in the song, I believe Moseka, I, um, it hits pretty fast, pretty early, the dance part, and then it continues throughout. In classic music, the older styles from the 80s, 90s, 2000s, it, there was like a beginning part, which was more slower, sometimes rumba, and then it'll kick in. And that's the hot part of the music. And that's why a lot of people um, in Africa, all over the continent, you know, Congolese music is extremely popular. Everybody pretty well in Africa is listening to Congolese music and it's influenced their music heavily um, because it has like, you know, a structure where there's always gonna be that kicked in dance part because people love to dance. And that's what, Saban is all about. Now, I know whenever you had um, a Congolese artist at Afrofest back in the day, um, there was always uh, men dancing, and I always looked forward <laughs> to seeing the men dancing. Um, you mentioned that Nax is a dancer. Will there be any male dancers as well? Do you know? Well, most of her musicians, they're not dancers they're because, you know, due to the fact they're coming from Montreal, it's a limited number of people that we can bring. She okay. normally doesn't perform with male dancers. And that is very true that in most uh, popular Congolese music. But if you notice, most of the time when there's male dancers, it's male singers. It's not. Oh, that's true. Singers. So that's when you true. see the female singers, Usually a female singer is a dancer also, and not in every case, but I would say the majority. So whenever you see the male dancers, you know, the row of four or five of them, and they're doing all the latest dance moves, you will see male singers and backing singers are males. 
Sometimes you'll see females there, but normally it's males. So with Knox, uh, she does dance very well, and especially the traditional dance uh, known as Mutwashi, which is from the Kasai. And Donna, this is one of the most beautiful dances. It is, it is just really so attractive and beautiful, and it's fun to try to do. And it is based in traditional music. Uh, you know, Congo has had a has a ballet, you know, they have ballet, what they term as ballet, which is their traditional dance. And there was an artist who used to come to Afrofest, the late, he's a late artist, unfortunately, he passed a few years ago, you probably remember him, his name was Moto Kapia. And he used to dance wearing the leopard skin, he did the bicycle yes. Well, sadly, he passed of cancer uh, five or six years ago. But he was from the ballet of Congo. And if you watch the style of dance he was doing with the hands and the waist movement, mm -hmm. that's Mutwashi. That is classic pure Mutwashi. And Nax is a very good dancer of Mutwashi. And usually she also wears some of the traditional uh, garb, you know, that dancers wear when they play Mutwashi, which is more of the skirts, you know, the grass looking skirts and mm -hmm. they wear a headpiece. And usually on the arms, they have some raffia um, because the traditional uh, clothing would be raffia or skins. But the leopard skins were only given and used by people who had reached a certain level of dance in the ballet. So it was pretty serious dance. <laughs> And it's it's not easy to do, <laughs> no. but it's, it's very sensuous. It's beautiful, and um, I just love it. It's one of my favorite styles of music and favorite forms of dance from the Congo. When I hear that music, it it just something goes into you. It it just pulls your spirit. Uh, it's spiritual. It's beautiful, and it's one of the most beautiful traditional uh, dances and music for me of the Congo and some of the instrumentation is unique also because uh, nowadays most of the ones that are traveling and even Knox in Montreal they use a keyboard as opposed to using the traditional um, electrified uh, embiras you know the what they what westerns were calling thumb pianos mm -hmm. um, but these things were distorted sound and it just has a way to grab you. The music is kind of cyclical and it, it lures you in and, it, and it's just repetitive, that rhythm. So that's a very unique form and style of music from the Congo. And Nax definitely will be performing uh, Mutuashi music at the concert. What are the other instruments that will be played? Okay, so usually in, in modern Congolese music and performances, there's always guitar. Guitar is very, very important, especially lead guitar. Um, and then rhythm, usually a bass guitar, drums. They use congas um, a lot. And uh, vocals and keyboard. The keyboard sometimes is integral because to play Mutwashi music is not easy. It's a totally different style and rhythm. It's not like playing rumba music or playing even Saben. Um, it's a bit more complicated. So they use the keyboard usually to make that sound of the, you know, um, of the embiras and things that they use or the marimbas, um, you know, used in the music. So because they travel and, you know, it's hard to tour in Canada with a lot of traditional instruments and also there aren't the musicians 
much that can play those original instruments. Most of them have adapted it to modern things. Mm -hmm. And another interesting thing about Congolese music is there was actually three guitars in in music like Siben. Um, there would be what's called Mi Solo, which is a middle guitar, a lead guitar, and a rhythm guitar. So that's why you see in the Congolese bands, and especially when you see the movie like Rumba Kings, you'll understand that because you'll see these big orchestras. You know, um, most Congolese in the early days and even in the 80s, 90s, those recent, you know, last couple decades, you would see big orchestras because they need a lot of instruments. It's impossible to have that here in Canada, really, yeah. and be able to tour it. But I, I have a, an upcoming Roomba project that I'm working on right now to curate, and it's going to involve about 10 musicians, and you will see more of that classic orchestra style. It's coming out in the spring, and um, I'm working with about 10 and 11 Congolese musicians on this show. So it'll feature Roomba, it'll feature all the variations of some popular uh, Roomba artists. I'm looking forward to that. And I'm looking forward to having you back, Nadine, to talk about <laughs> that. Now, uh, you've teamed up again with uh, Alliance Francaise. Um, is this an ongoing partnership with them? Yes, we've been partnering with them for now about five years, and it's a wonderful partnership because we both contribute to the um, concerts, you know, um, we curate a lot of the African music concerts there at the uh, theater, mm -hmm. and we do host a couple, two, three, four in a year. Um, it's just one of our partnerships. It's a long-term one, and we're very, very happy and appreciative to be able to partner with such a great institution, and especially it helps us to really reach the Francophone audience. Um, you know, as you mentioned earlier, my co-host, Cherno Sumare, he is Francophone. He's from Senegal, and we do have some other Francophones in our organization, and also um, we have a lot of Francophone volunteers, and for us, it's really important important to address, you know, both of the national languages because and also attract those community members. So, for example, in Habari, we were noticing over the last three, four years, we've had almost an even parity of Francophone and Anglophone artists, which to me is is really a big achievement for us because starting out as mostly an Anglophone organization, we've been able to reach much more. And also I'm very proud and very happy also to say that last year at, um, at Habari and over the past few years, we have reached a pretty well even parity also with uh, male and female uh, artists performing, which has been, you know, a few years ago, it was very difficult. There weren't as many African women band leaders. Even now there aren't too many, but we were able to actually feature quite a few. And last year, two of our headliners on the main stage to close, they were females, led by females. Songs of My Mother and also uh, Dobe Nori. So that's- uh, who, who I, Nadine audience. Nadine was there when she saw my fangirl moment meeting, <laughs> meeting Dobe Nori. Oh my God. It was amazing. Yeah, she Nadine is goes, just Nadine, go, uh, Nadine goes, oh, she's over there. Do you want to meet her? And I'm like, oh, oh my God. It's like... <laughs> 
she's she was such she's such a warm person and also she's so she's just so accessible um you know i i think you remember her from years ago at afrofest and then yes that was one of her first performances in toronto and since then toronto has a real love for her and i idolize and i i just idolize her in many ways because she's also projecting a very very good image for women band leaders um she's really a very strong and a very intelligent woman not just artistically but also you know off stage she's she's a wonderful person to talk to and and i tell you donna it is really i try to really hard to f seek out you know these artists to bring them to the stage because for me it's very important especially for the younger generation and especially for girls to be able to see uh role models and people who you know look like them and have good positive messages it it's really important because here in canada i see a lot of festivals and they're just not really you know you see the lineups and you're like what why is there not you know even two or three or five or 10 women, you know, featured on stage. Yeah. So and it, it's a challenge, but I'm really proud over the last three, four years, we've really been able to step it up and, and I'm encouraging more and more women to come forward. And we're trying to create new projects with, um, with women in the front. I applaud you, uh, Nadine. I know how hard you've worked over the years uh, to feature women on the stage and I think um, because of the example that Batuki music has been setting um, there is the change because you're really you're fighting for it and you're telling these you're, you're also um, supporting these women in gaining the confidence to step out onto the stage and I applaud you for that. It is very difficult Donna that you know and I know how difficult it is to work as a woman in the arts it's very, very hard. And uh, though they say things are getting better, in some ways, um, I still see a lot of the same things. And I talk a lot to like a lot of the women artists that are trying, you know, their best and some who have even been in the career for a while, talking to them, it just, you know, listening to their stories and hearing their challenges. It, it sometimes it's really for me it's kind of really disconcerting that today in some ways things you know things are getting better but we still have a long long way to go to see more women in the arts and more women taking on these jobs because it's not easy to be in these um in this field yeah and i think it's great for them to have the support of another woman um there as well in the form of you so nadine thank you so much for all that you do listeners again the concert is happening on saturday february the 4th at the alliance francaise theater 24 spadina road and ticket sales are online only and uh, nadine tell them where they can go to get the tickets okay they can go to alliance francaise has an event page um for Naxby Tota and you can click on there they're on Eventbrite and the tickets are very reasonably priced we tried to make them um as low as we could from $16 to $20 uh, which includes um you know it's a sliding scale depending on if you're a senior if you're a student um and it includes taxes so if you buy them online you can go to Eventbrite 
Naxby Tota Show, or you can just go to batukimusic.com and it might be easy also to find the link there. There's a big page on Naxby Tota and on her her show and you can just click on the link there and uh you know we're we're open to if somebody is really underwaged or somebody really you know really wants to come and doesn't have the income then they can also contact us music at yahoo.com and we will try to find a way to accommodate people okay and until then you can hear nadine and tierno Sundays, 3 to 5 p.m., right here on CIUT 89.5 FM. And we're going to leave you in a dancing spirit with Moseka, the Semben um, that we learned about um, from Nadine. Nadine, thank you so much. Thank you, Donna. Much appreciated. Ma ebundelina yo, kona vasala kabato mape.